Welcome back to No Bucks Given, the podcast where we have honest conversations about the horse industry. Whether we're debunking common myths and the science behind them or debating both sides of a controversial social topic, we get to the bottom of what matters most, how to best care and advocate for our horses. Today, I'm joined by a special guest, my friend and mentee, should I call you that? I guess it Former fits. mentee, kind of still mentee. Um, my friend and mentee, Brittany Gray of Grayscale Equine Massage Therapy. Um, what we're going over in this podcast is so you want to become an equine massage therapist. We're talking about if you've been interested in equine massage therapy, what the career is really like, the pros and cons of it, what you need to know before getting into it from a business and legal perspective, um, as well as first steps to take when beginning on your journey. So Brittany, thank you so much for sitting down with me today. Thanks for having me. I'm so happy to be here. It feels like it was so recent and yet so long ago because so much has happened that we first um, met and connected. And I remember it so clearly. I was sitting on um, my parents' couch. I was home visiting and I was super desperate for an assistant. And I made a posting and a few people had fallen through and you followed up on your email. Um, and I remember I'm talking to you and um, I gave you a call on the phone and we chatted and you just had this amazing energy. And um, I remember telling you that I was really interested in someone who would help me partner with my business and support me, but who I could turn around and support in favor. Um, so what drew you to equine massage therapy specifically? Uh, so I just loved the horse. I loved the science behind the horse. Um, I felt like there were so many ways that we could support the equine athlete. And a lot of people just weren't doing that or they didn't have the knowledge to do that. Um, so I managed and groomed a lot of barns up to the FEI level. And I saw that there was just kind of a space that was lacking there. Um, and we worked a lot with the equine body workers, chiropractors, all of that. And I knew I wanted to go in that direction just to help the horses more than I was in my current role. Um, so I did some research. I learned more about equine body work, decided that's the route I wanted to take. And then I went through Equinology and the Equilearn Institute and became an equine body worker. That's awesome. Um, you know, I have kind of a similar, well, kind of a, yeah, you know, equine, I was drawn to equine body work for the same reason. Um, so I really, I, I specifically had a horse that had a lot of issues um, and I wanted to help him. So I got into equine massage therapy for that reason. And then I also really wanted a career with horses, but um, I was realistic about the fact that I didn't have any family help or support. So I knew I wouldn't be able to be a trainer. Um, just from my perspective, I think that better, harder worker harder working people than me definitely can be trainers. Um, but I, it, without financial backing, you know, a good friend of mine is, but I do think that for me personally, I just wanted a little bit of a more cut and dry career that wouldn't quite require that investment. So before we get started on this episode, just a little bit about um, me and Brittany. So I am a licensed massage therapist who primarily works on horses, but also works on humans. Um, and Brittany is an equine massage therapist as well. She's a certified EMT. Um, and we both have our own businesses. Uh, I've been in business now three going on four years. Brittany has been in business business for is this your first full year we're coming yeah. to an end year and a half I think year and a half now yeah year and a half um, going on two years so 
you know, we've been in business long enough to have a good understanding of what goes into it, but also we're not so far along in our careers that um, we do still remember what it was like to get started. So we just want to make this episode because so many people are so interested in this field and it's really amazing, but it does have a lot of um, drawbacks and challenges in it that I think a lot of people don't consider before getting started in the field. Um, and unfortunately, what I personally see the most often is that people um, try to get into this field and are really excited about it, but they don't have a clear path of how to get into it or they start um in a way that sets them up for failure so i just want to touch on what this career is actually like so people can have a good understanding of if it's really for them or not and then also what you need to consider before getting started and then um a different paths you can take to um, just get started in your equine massage therapist journey if you decide it is best for you um so the first thing, Brittany, I want to touch on is what are some things that uh, surprised you going into this career? What are some what's what's something that you really love about this job? And then what's something that like you didn't realize would be a thing, basically? OK, um, as I said before, I'm in this to help the horses. I yeah. just love how much we are supporting them as athletes, as partners, um, just in their lives in general. Even if they're retired, you're really helping them all. Um, so I just I adore that aspect. But uh, I also love how you can collaborate with different members of the each horse's wellness team and you're learning so much with each horse you don't have to have the answers right away uh, you can learn as you go and each horse is going to teach you something different and you're going to take something valuable from each session you do i really like that and then what is something that like has been a challenge that you didn't really anticipate because you were already pretty experienced in the horse world before you got into this career so i do think that you know, you and I were both professional grooms before we became equine massage therapists. So I think that maybe we were even better prepared than most people are getting into this industry. But what's something you didn't really anticipate? I think getting people to realize how important body work is okay. and how it really is an essential part of your horse's maintenance plan. Yeah. Um, a lot of people just think it's woo-woo and you know, <laughs> like it's just a spa treatment or something like yeah. that. And in reality, I mean, it's really doing so much for your horse. It's preventing injuries and it's just an all-around wellness, um, an all-around thing to add to your horse's wellness routine. Yeah, it's it's a there's really no losing. Yeah, when exactly. You're, when your horse is getting a massage from a good body worker. For sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you know, I definitely got into equine massage therapy for the same reason. I really love to help horses. Um and I think me too because I was a I've been a competitive rider for so long. I really enjoy um, getting to work with athletes and really help them go to the next level or really help a horse that's in pain. Um, you know, I think that I started my career just to help my horse who was in a lot of pain, and I saw so so many amazing results from him that it's been so rewarding to turn around and help. Um, help other horses like him who were so guarded in so much pain and 
you know, a benefit that I didn't quite realize is all the friendships I would make. You know, I feel like I'm so close with so many of my clients. And I also feel like I've gotten to help people who were in my shoes. Like they have a horse that they really, really love and the horse is struggling and they're kind of just at their wits end and they don't really know what to do for the horse. And I've really enjoyed getting to be in their corner. You know, I think that a lot of those people just really need someone to listen to them and rift with them about what's going on with their horse. You know, I think that, you know, trainers and vets are so busy um, that a lot of them don't quite as much have the time to give the one-on-one attention to these people who, you know, just want to talk to someone from a very holistic perspective. Like so many of my clients, we have a discussion about like, this is the saddle they're using. This is the riding they're doing. This is the nutrition they have. And it's not that I'm an expert in any of those things other than massage therapy. But what I can tell them is, you know, last month you changed X, like your saddle or your nutrition. And this month your horse feels this way. And we can talk about why that might be, or if there are other factors. So I love not only just directly getting to help the horse, but I love working with the owner and getting to be supportive to them as well. Because I do think that I've been in the position as an owner where I feel really lost and like no one is listening to me or taking me seriously about my horse's pain. You know, the trainer is telling me to ride through it. The vet is telling me that they don't see anything wrong with my horse because they're not lame. They're just in pain. Um, So I've enjoyed also just getting to be supportive to my fellow equestrians. Absolutely. And I think uh, we are trained to collaborate with vets and other professionals like that because we aren't able to diagnose. Right. We don't have um, the qualifications to do things like that. So we really have to use all of our resources, whereas a lot of other professionals, they do have the qualifications to do that. And I think a lot of times clients rely on them to have all of the answers and not to have to reach out to other professionals. Um, I think the expectations are just a little bit higher in that sense for them. Mm -hmm. Uh, Whereas we were trained to ask questions to other professionals, we're trained to uh, refer them to the vet if needed, things like that. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, I think I would actually like to start this episode talking about who would make a really good equine massage therapist, because I think that being really honest, I think that there's some people who would be really good in this field and some people who wouldn't be. So um, to my perspective, I think that the people who are going to be best um, being a massage therapist are people who are really um, patient. And um, really, uh, like, it's, it's almost hard to explain, but people who have a level of, like, quietness to their mind, um, you know, I think that I'm someone who can just quiet down and focus on something really easily, um, and I have that really calm energy, and I think you do too. And then I have some friends, you know, a good friend of mine is a lawyer and she's watched me work on horses and just like sit in the same spot for five minutes. And she said, I could never do what you do <laughs> because she's one of those people that's all the time because and she couldn't write because she has ADHD. She definitely like would not be able to focus on just massaging one area for 10 minutes and having that really calm, quiet energy that horses really appreciate. But 
she's an incredibly high-powered lawyer because she has that brain that's always going. So if you are someone who has that brain that's constantly motoring and um, has a very high energy level, you definitely could do this if you learn to control it. You know, I'm someone who does have a pretty high energy level when it's outside of horses, but as soon as I'm in the barns, I'm way quieted and slowed down um, because that's what horses need. And I learned that from my first horse, Wesley. He was incredibly anxious. He was a thoroughbred. And so from him, I learned a really high amount of emotional control because I needed to be his emotional like rock. But that's my number one thing. Um, I think being able to control your emotions and being able to just be quiet and focus on one area at a time um, is maybe the most important thing. But what do you think? I completely agree. Yeah. Um, I think that horses feed off of everyone's energy, even yeah. if you're staying calm, but the owner may be a little bit yes. higher strung. Yeah, you'll, that's a you'll big notice one. that like, your horse is going to be a little bit on the antsy side or something. But if they maybe go away for a minute, maybe they settle down and relax into the session a little bit more and i'm not saying owners shouldn't uh, participate in the sessions it's just something you can prepare for and kind of balance the owner out a little bit um but yeah absolutely they feed off of your energy and you really just have to leave everything at the barn door and focus on your session and being there for giving the horse what they need yeah yeah being focused on the horse instead of focused on um necessarily the owner or what you have going on and i'm totally like i'm not perfect at that by any means but i think that having that like level of you know consciousness and mindfulness is really important and then the other thing i see um is uh, you know, the thing about this is that if you are an equine massage therapist, you're almost definitely going to own your own business. It's, you know, the nice thing about human massage therapy is it's very easy to go get a job in a spa, but that isn't really an option for us. So I do think that you need to have some self-awareness of if you can own your own business, which basically means having a high level of um, good time, emotional and money management. Um, you know, those are to me the big three if you are someone who is really um, like not able to manage a calendar, you know, this is it is hard to schedule a lot of different clients in different areas, you know, of your state in a certain day and get to all their appointments on time and manage time while you're at that appointment. Um, so I do think that uh, time management, you know, money management, because business can be very feast or famine. Um, And then also, you know, emotional management, like not taking it super personally if a client is short with you or if a client doesn't use you anymore. Um, I think all of those things are really important. So having just some level of, you know, autonomy and self-reliance is really important when you have your own business. 100%. Um, I mean, I don't know about you, but that's the number one question I get. Like, how... Did you become a massage therapist? Should I become a massage therapist? Um, how do I become a massage therapist? Just all along yeah. those lines. And I'm very happy to answer all those questions, but I always make a point to tell them about the business side too. Like, yes, it's the most rewarding job and it's so much fun when you're working on horses all day, but a lot of people don't think about you have to go home. You have to still contact clients and confirm appointments and write session reports and then do your bookkeeping and all of the paperwork that no one wants to do um, along with the social media, which is a full-time job in its own. So there's just so much behind the scenes work that people don't realize. And I think people don't think about until they get into it. If no one warns them, 
Um, and then they don't want to do all of that and their business just kind of crumbles or it doesn't reach the expectations that they want their business to become. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I think that a lot of people think like, oh, well, you make $100 an hour, $120 an hour or whatever as a massage therapist, but you don't get paid for all the continuing ed you do. You know, all the weekends you, um, you know, all the weekends you spend doing that, you don't get paid for, you know, I, I would say at least a third to a fourth, you know, but back when I was just doing horses and I didn't have a big social media, I was still spending at least a fourth of my time or a third of my time doing things that weren't working on horses, not even including travel. Travel, if you included travel, it's more like a third to a half. Um, and that's luck. That's, you know, low. Um, my my levels are low because I live in such a horse dense area. I don't have to do nearly as much traveling as the average massage therapist. But there's a huge amount of travel. There's a huge amount of um, paperwork involved. You know, you're so right. It it is just being able to manage that is hard and it takes a lot of time. Yes, for sure. I have a lot of clients um, take a look at my social media and they ask me, "How do you have time to manage your social media? Like you have yeah. a great social media presence, but." where do you find the time? Right. And the answer is I really don't have the time. I just have to make the time. I take it out yeah. of my personal time and I'm really working way more than I would with your average nine to five job. Right. But it's just so, so much more rewarding that I don't mind it doing it and I'm getting so much more out of it. But you really have to think about those things. Yeah, it's very all encompassing. And, you know, there are a lot of amazing things about having your own business. Like you can um, sleep in on a Monday if you're sick or you can take off 10 days to go on a vacation or you just have a much higher level of autonomy. But there is another level of very regularly I work till 10 or 11 o'clock at night. Like I work on a full set of, you know, five to six to seven horses. I get home at six or seven. I eat dinner with my boyfriend and then I sit down and I do office work and until 10 or 11, you know, that's a very like normal day for me. Um, and I love my job, so I wouldn't trade it. But if you're not willing to do that, at least in the first couple of years of your business, while you're still really making it and you haven't quite picked up traction, then it's not for you. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, it really does depend on the standard or the quality of business you want yes. to have. Yeah. If you want to write session reports, I mean, you don't have to. Or if you yeah. want to have a social media presence, yeah. um, just kind of the, the standard you want to uphold. Yeah, too. Yeah. And too, you know, the other thing, too, is you can also just do this part time. You That's know, true. you can. I think most people do it. I think a lot of people. It's so funny because people ask me, like, um, they say, oh, like you do this for a living. And, and they're like, it's your only job. Yeah. And I'm like, <laughs> you do this full time? Really? Yeah. And it's like, yeah, I get to massage horses all day. It's really <laughs> awesome, actually. Like, I love my job. But um, I would say most massage therapists are part time. Most massage yeah. therapists don't get to have this be their full time income. But I actually think that there's a lot of um, validity to that because, you know, let's say like you really want to have if you have a family and you need to have benefits and you can have like a much lighter nine to five mm -hmm. um, that might be more like a nine to four um, with Fridays off and you can do horses in the evenings and on weekends so that you kind of get some extra income for your horse 
worse money, um, but you still get to have a stable job with benefits. That's very valid. And that's, yeah. a, that's a great way to live. It's a great way to have benefits and have a lot less stress in your life because you have less pressure on always making ends meet with clients. Um, so that's also, you know, me and Brittany aren't really talking about that perspective just because neither of us have really done that. Um, but I do think that that's all that's very reasonable. Yeah. Um, so so we talked about, you know, in terms of if you're considering doing this as a career, you want to really think about your energy and um, your like kind of emotional time and um, money management um, in terms of this being a business. So um, so would you add anything to that, Brittany, when it comes to, um, you know, we touched on energy, emotional management. What would you add to that in terms of people who are suitable to this career? I think there's a lot that goes into it um, that comes from your personality. A lot of people won't expect me to say that just because you don't think of like personality with equine body work. You yeah. think you just need to know how to work on the horse and you need to know the anatomy and the science. But I think a lot of it, especially with any business, really just running a business in general is your personality. Yes. I mean, your clients need to to mesh with you well. Um, the horses need to mesh with you well. And the horses really do read your energy. So it is important. Um, so with that, you really need to stay humble. If you don't know something, don't pretend like you do. Like, say, um, I don't know about that, but I'll find that out for you. Um, because we're all students. We're all learning yeah. constantly. And that's okay. And your clients want you to be honest. So stay honest. Stay humble. And you really want to keep an open mind with equine body work because, as most of us know, horses are never black and white. There's not one right answer for every horse. Um, so you really want to keep your mind open. Uh, just really look at things from each perspective. Uh, there's a lot of perspectives to view each problem and... I'm going off on a tangent. <laughs> no, I totally agree with you. And I, you know, I'm not trying to like totally get off on a tangent or rant about this, but I do see a startling amount of like very high egos in the equine massage yes. world. But it is, if it makes you feel any better, it's true in the human massage world as well. And I do think that it's because so many of us get these amazing results when we work on horses or people and so suddenly we get this inflated like almost god complex of like oh my god i make this huge difference in this horse or this person's life and you know the thing is is i've seen in the horse industry especially but i see it in the human industry as well like people will get into business, do it for a few years, and then get this giant ego and say like, well, I have all these amazing results. I must have the best way of doing this. And I'm going to go out and tell everyone that I have the best way of doing this and you need to do it my way. And the thing is, is that it it's very possible that you do have a really excellent modality. Like I don't do myofascial release. That's my specialty. I do it because I think it is the most effective modality in my opinion, but it's not the most effective modality for every single horse all the time. I go and use sports massage techniques on some horses who prefer it to MFR. It's rare, right? Because it's not my specialty. Most horses um, enjoy my you know what I primarily do but some horses prefer something else just like some humans prefer something else you know when I go and get um, a massage I prefer MFR or deep tissue neuromuscular work um, I have a friend who is like an award-winning Olympian sports massage therapist I see her and her massage 
like it just doesn't it she it feels great it doesn't do a lot for me in terms of helping me with my issues but she has a full book of clients who she helps a huge amount because her modality is so good for them right so i think that um just keeping in mind what Brittany said about staying humble and just realizing that like you have an area of expertise that you're good at, but you have so much more to learn. And the other thing too, is I do see some equine massage therapists. It's rare, but some equine massage therapists go against a vet or against a trainer. Um, because I do think that the equine, I have seen, um, quite a few equine massage therapists who, um, are not experienced in the horse world. So like there's someone who um, has some experience with horses but hasn't really ridden or competed or groomed um, a whole lot I see them get educated about certain topics and then suddenly like have a hill that they die on that maybe doesn't have a lot of grounds in um, what happens in the real world Um, so I do think that being a little bit careful before you Um, really push an agenda with your clients I think just in general avoiding pushing an agenda with your clients is a good idea because I've had a lot of clients leave another body worker and come to me because they've said that you know x y like so and so said that my horse had parasites in its spine and I had to see a thousand dollar dentist otherwise they wouldn't work with me and they had to do this special parasitic control or parasitic protocol that the vet had no idea what they were talking about. That is way out of your scope as an equine massage therapist to talk about. You should not be diagnosing things. You should not be um, pushing an envelope with your clients. You should just be there to support them. And if they ask you for your opinion, give it to them. But you definitely don't need to always um, push what you think onto them because at the end of the day, they know their horse better than you and you're not a vet. I couldn't agree more. I see that a lot more than I should in my area, honestly. It's a little frightening. Um, But I think that the more educated you are, the more you realize you don't know and you respect your scope of practice a little bit more. I think that's the Dunning-Kruger effect where, like, there's a – I talk about it all the time. So if you've (laughs) listened to the podcast – um, those of you who listen to the podcast religiously, it's not the first time I've mentioned the Dunning-Kruger effect. But, you know, there's – Basically, the dying kruger effect says that um, as you become more educated about a topic, you essentially realize there's less that you know and you become more humble. Yes. Um, you know, I think that we all go through that. You know, we come out of school, we're really humble. We get a year in and we think we know everything. And then something shatters, not, not necessarily shatters us like a dramatic negative thing but suddenly we realize that's not true (laughs) and you're like oh (laughs) and you're like i need to go back and just like stay in my lane and learn more exactly um and there's always more to learn but um one more thing i want to mention and i actually think that this is the thing people ask the most about um and i think a lot of people are going to be surprised by what you and i have to say is the physical aspect of working on horses so Um, that's, I think the number one people thing, the number one thing people ask me is, isn't it really, really hard on you? And my answer is yes, but not in the way that you guys think, um, to me, I'm interested to hear what you say. So me and Brittany's background is that both of us are grooms. So I remember I was a professional groom and it was incredibly hard on my body. I mean, I tore my rotator cuff. Everything was wrong with me. My entire body hurt all the time. And I went to massage school for humans. And I remember everyone complaining all the time about how sore they were. And I was like, this is a vacation. 
vacation. <laughs> I was like, this is the easiest physical work I've ever done in my entire life. So is equine massage therapy hard on you day to day? Yes, but compared to an office job, not compared to another physical horse job. I would say we have it a lot easier than, I mean, way easier than farriers, farm workers, um, anyone who does hay or fencing, anyone who does stalls religiously. If you are someone who is in the industry on that end and you're looking for a break, come to equine massage therapy. But if you're someone who right now has an office job and you want to get into equine massage therapy, yes, there's absolutely going to be a physical learning curve. You know, I started only working on one or two horses a day and then built myself up to the point where now I can work on eight or even 10 horses in a day. And I have that physical ability. I'm also 25, right? So, you know, and I've been doing this since I was 22 or even like 21. Um, So I do think that um, it is physical It is hard, but it's very within your ability to get fit and do it. The only thing that I think some people don't consider, maybe they do, um, is that there is an element of danger to it. So, you know, for example, right now I actually have a concussion because a horse hit me super hard in the head um, while I was working on them. And I have gotten slammed up against a wall before by a horse who I was working on them um, in a kind of narrow grooming stall and they got spooked by something else and they slammed me into the wall and really hurt my back. You know, I've gotten stepped on. I always wear composite toe boots for that reason. I know some people say not to wear composite toed, but for me personally, I do. Um, There is an element of danger to this. And all of that is to be said, um, all those horses who actually injured me are all pretty safe amateur horses. The horses that, you know, I've worked on a lot of race horses and stallions, those horses never hurt me. Um, I think that And the thing is, is the only like two or three times I've gotten hurt has been like really freak things. I'm a super experienced horse person and I'm really careful with the horses, but it does happen to everyone. So I do think that there is an element of danger that you do need to consider. Going on to that physical aspect, um, I've met a lot of body workers that actually say it's very physical too. And I think the big difference for me personally as I started My program that I went through taught me a lot about uh, biomechanics for the human and body mechanics. So using proper body mechanics while working on horses, stretching them out, really anything, uh, will save your body for years, honestly. So that's a really good point. Yeah, Yeah. you have to be religious about the body mechanics or your body's going to give up on you a little bit. You're going to um, get a little weaker and you're going to get tired and sore and as you do it for longer, it's going to become a bigger problem. So I think that's a big game changer. I think a lot of programs skip over that just because there's so much information and the programs are usually so short that they can't fit it in. But I think it's really essential just to keep your body healthy, um, prevent you from getting serious injuries, things like that. Uh, If you're using proper body mechanics, I don't think it's that physical. I mean, yeah, you need to be fit. You need to be ready for things like Maya was talking about. But, I mean, we see the best of the horses usually. So. We do. Yeah, it's not nearly as dangerous yeah. as a lot of those vet tech jobs and exactly. jobs where they see horses at their worst. But, I mean, we do put ourselves in uncomfortable situations sometimes. Yeah. Like, we're, say, the semimembranosis muscle. I mean, that's in a little bit of a sensitive area for a lot of horses, especially right. if they're young and they're not used to being touched all over. Um, and if that muscle is sore and we're working on that, and that's the inner hamstring. So, yeah. it's just a, kind of a vulnerable area for them. Yeah. 
um, then we need to be ready for that. Like they may kick out or they may squirm a little bit and you may get stuck in between them and the wall. So right. you just need to be prepared for that, know how to handle that. And another really important thing is knowing the level of experience of the handler. If yes, the horse that's has important. a handler, you need to be reading that person. It's your responsibility to know how experienced they are and if they're going to be able to handle that horse properly or you could be in danger. So you just need to read both the horse and the human. Yeah, and there's nothing wrong with saying like, hey, um, why don't you, you know, like I always tell people, you know, horses are just like kids. They're the worst for mom. So is there a trainer or someone else who can hold the yes. horse? Or sometimes, you know, I've had a lot of horses who are actually better on cross ties than they are with someone holding them because they want to mess with the person holding them. Mm -hmm. You know, it just depends on the horse. So you have to have... And I think that might even lead us into maybe what is the last, mo maybe of all of this, the most important thing when considering going into this career. And it's your level of horse experience. Yes. I am pretty against someone who doesn't have any horse experience going into this field um, because I, I just think that that's dangerous. I think that, you know, if you're listening to this right now and you don't have a lot of horse experience um, and you really want to work with horses, go and take a bunch of riding lessons for like a year um, and get a lot in like lease a horse, own a horse, work in a barn and um, learn, you know, go clean stalls, go groom for someone professionally, go be in a situation where you have a lot of professional help and you have other eyes on you watching and catching how you interact with different kinds of horses. And don't just work for the same professional or ride yeah. with the same trainer. Like yeah. mix up who you're working for what barns you're in because everyone does things differently and has different knowledge to pass on to you so you really want to get that well-rounded experience and well-rounded knowledge to be the best horse person that you can be exactly so yeah you know I think that that experience is so important I think that made the biggest difference for us I mean for me personally yes um Perfect. Uh, I think we have a really great horse background. We've worked for different professionals. I vet teched for a little bit. I think it's just so important to have that background, uh, to have all these different tools in your toolbox that you can use when needed for each horse or each discipline, each rider, just to be able to relate a little bit and understand what each owner is talking about with their horse. Yeah, I totally agree. I think that it made a huge difference in my career that I have so much experience um, handling horses, but also I have so much experience. Me personally, I think it's helped a lot that I have so much experience riding mm -hmm. because again, like I think that my clients are so loyal to me because I'm not just someone who comes and massages their horse. I'm really someone who's in their corner and they, you know, they can say something to me like my horse has been falling in to the left and popping out their right shoulder and also they have x y and c going on on the ground and i'm using this person in our area for salary and i know everything they're talking about and not only can i work on the horse i can talk about different exercises they can do under saddle i've even gotten on the horses of some of my clients to have a better understanding of how they go um, and then been able to work on them with a much more clear understanding of how they feel mm -hmm. um you know, I think having a much deeper well of knowledge just proves to your clients that you know what you're doing and they're in safe hands. Because I think that um, your confidence level 
tends to come very directly from your competence level. And people want to know that they're not only in the hands of someone who's really, who cares about them and who's warm, but someone who is really competent. Mm -hmm. And I mean, not just riding one horse either, like get on as many different horses as you can. So you understand what they're talking about when they tell you like, the horse is falling in through the shoulder or yeah. not bending through the rib cage, something like that, or if they're struggling with a lead change. Yeah. Um, so you can deal with all of those problems with each horse and you can just understand it better. Yeah, yeah. And um, Maya pro tip, um, going and taking a bunch of lessons with different people is also a great way to network. Um, (laughs) I am not above if I really want to be in someone's barn, like I have a trainer that I really admire. um, And I know they have a lot of clients who would benefit from my services, I'll go take a lesson with them. Yeah, Um, even a few times and just really try to network with them. And you know, for a good fit, then I generally start working in that barn. And, you know, not only do I get to learn from that person, learn different perspective I also just have that networking ability so 100% (laughs) (laughs) Um, okay so let's go over so we've really covered what being an equine massage therapist is really like you know the truth the full truth about what being an equine massage therapist is like but let's go into how to become an equine massage therapist and then some of the laws and legalities that you have to be aware of so let's touch on um you know, what you did to become an EMT and what I did to become an EMT. Um, And then we're just going to touch a little bit on the laws and legalities of them. Okay, sounds good. Um, So I started by going to Centenary University in New Jersey. I didn't know I was going to become a body worker at this point. I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I just knew I wanted to work with horses. Um, So that was a four-year degree in equine studies. And then I focused in equine business management just because I felt like that was safe and It was good to get all the business courses, things like that. Um, For my electives, I took a lot of the equine science courses, so I got that under my belt as well. And honestly, a lot of my uh, required courses were equine science courses still. But I did that. I graduated, and then I worked for different professionals through my school breaks and after graduation. I groomed. I managed barns, things like that. And then uh, I wanted to settle down in Pennsylvania. I met my boyfriend, so I was ready just to stay in one location because I was traveling the show circuit. So I started looking into things. Um, I just loved the equine science, honestly. I loved caring for the horses. And as I said, like I just wanted to play a bigger role in helping them. So I found equine body work um, and I went through Equinology and the Equilearn Institute to get certified. There was about like a four to six month prerequisite course online. Uh, It was basically just anatomy and a lot of the equine science that I had already learned, but it just went really in depth. Um, It was self-paced online. And then there was, I think, an eight-day course in person. I went to Florida for, uh, it was really in depth. Like they packed a lot of information. I still wish it was a little longer, honestly. But I mean, they did amazing and Deb even said like she wants it to be a longer course but she can't get people to actually register for a longer course just because it's hard we all have lives Um, it's expensive to take that time away from work and to pay for the course but they did a really great job at packing a lot of information into it Um, and it didn't end there there was a six-month externship that we had to do which was hands-on with the horses Uh, There was a final. There was a lot that went into it. There were case studies. 
uh, anatomy portions, just a ton of things. It was really extensive. That's awesome. So we did that, and I still felt like I needed a little bit more. Uh, I mean, it was amazing, and she they did a great job, but I just felt like I wanted another perspective, and that's when I came to you. I mean, I started working for you part-time. <laughs> it was perfect. I was also working part-time for a vet, so I was vet-teching, um, but Maya really made the biggest difference. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing. <She's> so <laughs> she mentored me. Um, she introduced me to myofascial relief. I shadowed her. She helped me with the business side of things. I mean, she really helped me get to where I needed to be to feel confident in the business that I was running. So I am forever eternally grateful for Maya. (laughs) Well, I'm so grateful that you came to work for me because you were such a lifeline um, when I was in such a busy place. And it's just been so fun to get to just support you. I mean, you do all the work and you're so driven. Um, So it's been really, really wonderful to just get to support you on your journey to greatness. Thank you so much. (laughs) Um, But yeah, you know, I think that that's interesting. I, um, I also had mentors. So what I did is um, when I first wanted to become an equine massage therapist, I went um, and I Googled it online and I found (laughs) an online course that was like, I think $1,300 or $1,200. And which for me, I was 19 at the time. That was a lot of money. And um, I bought that course and it was just total garbage. Like I would not recommend that particular course to anyone. Um, And it was only online and it had me go through a huge amount of education that um, to me, to be totally honest, felt like, um, so I was a Pony Club HB at the time and it literally felt like it had been copied out of the HB manual, like word for word. Like it was all the exact same topics, um, like all the exact same information, which, and I had just gone through the HB, so I didn't find it helpful. And then it literally had like three massage techniques at the end and that was it. Um, And so I got, I like, I got all the way through that certification program. I didn't finish the like externship program of it you had to do a certain amount of case studies and honestly I just felt so lost and like I had no idea how to use the massage techniques in a way that was actually helpful to the horses Um, I just did not have the confidence at the time to finish the case study so I never finished that certification Um, but then Um, I, so I basically, that made me give up on doing an equine massage program because I actually did ask around, um, the different equine massage therapists I knew and they all were kind of like, eh, the schools like aren't great. Um, so I ended up just going to school to be a human massage therapist, um, because that's a lot more in depth. And I figured like, at least if I can always do humans, you know, there will always be a job for me, you know, people always need a massage. So I figured, um, so I did that and that was an eight month long school. Um, and then I got uh, licensed and around that time that I was just wrapping up school, I actually met both of my mentors. I met my mentor for human massage. Um, his name's Ron Carter and he's a chiropractor and I worked for him. And then I also met my mentor for equine massage, who's a myofascial release specialist. And I worked an apprentice under both of them for about a year. And I worked in a spa at the same time. So I basically had three jobs. Um, and I did that for a year before launching my own business. So I do think that mentorship is incredibly important because any school, even though I went to school for, you know, eight months, which is way more than any equine massage school I've ever seen in the United States, there are more in-depth ones in other parts of the world. Um, but 
even though I went to school for eight months, um, I just felt like I did not have a huge amount of confidence working on people or horses. Um, so to be able to work one-on-one with both of my mentors so much was just so um, helpful to me. And it really allowed me to, you know, while so many of my peers immediately went and either tried to start their own business or um, went and worked in a spa, I took the first year out of school to just really focus on my education I did like hundreds of hours of CEs my first year out yeah, of school I did, too. I did a ton yeah I spent so much money yeah, yeah. and it's just a ton of time because and you're not scary. making any money right but I mean it's so worth it because right. you'll just feel so much more confident like you're really prepared and ready to help people and to take people's money for it because you don't want to feel like um what's that called um imposter syndrome yeah you don't want to feel, feel like syndrome. that you don't want to take people's money when you don't feel like you're ready to do that yeah and I do think that there's an element of imposter syndrome that anyone can have but I also think there's an element of truth in imposter syndrome like if you don't feel ready to go out and be a professional maybe it's because you aren't and I do think that that is a line that no one I mean I can't tell you which is which but I do think that that's something to consider because for the first year I mean right out of school I did not feel ready to start my own business I so you know I think that taking a step back and spending a ton of time one-on-one with someone um, in a way that they just can't give you at school Um, and then going on and launching your own business is so powerful because Brittany had like kind of started her or you hadn't quite started your own business when we first met but all of the like one-on-one attention I was able to give you and just having someone watch you and say like you're doing a good job like not even that I would like I haven't watched Brittany massage that many times and stood there and been like um you know, you're doing this wrong or that wrong, or you need to do this different. Most of the time, like if I watch her or I teach her a technique, she does it and she does it right the first time. And I'm like, yeah, you did a good job. You know how to do it. You're good. Like, but I think so much of mentorship is just having someone who has experience bolster you and give you the confidence you need to go on. Yeah. And also just having someone in your corner who like you can call and say, hey, this happened. What do you think about this? Um, And them say like, no, don't worry about it. Or like, do worry about it. Get out of that situation. I just think having a mentor is like the best thing that you can possibly do for yourself. Yeah. Yourself, Um, your business. I mean, it really gave me the reassurance I needed and it taught me new techniques. It taught me new ways of looking at things. It taught me client management. Um, It taught me a lot about business and social media actually too. That was a big one. But I mean, it just, it gave me the confidence. And if I had a question, I felt comfortable asking her. I wasn't just trying to figure it out on my own or, I don't know, kind of drown a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> but Well, and the cool thing about you, though, what, like why I love mentoring you so much is because I knew that you were going to figure it out. Like you were only going to come to me with a question that you really need help with. Mm-hmm. Like sometimes I get questions in my DMs like um, that someone could have like Googled like yes. or something that's just like not appropriate, like. Um, you know, like, is my horse lame? And they send me a video. But, but, you know, I'll have people say like, hey, will you be my mentor? Um, I have no idea, like, how to be an equine massage therapist. And I'm like, well, you probably didn't do your research mm-hmm. before you came to me. Um, because with Brittany, like, she's so self-reliant. She's going to make a very good use of my time and then come to me with questions I can really help her with. And, you know, you, you've you never been, like, a needy person. I've mentored you, but you've gone in and you've been able to do so much for me 
in return, but also if you're coming to me with something, I know that it's important and I know that it's a good use of my time. You're not calling me and saying like, you're not giving me an hour long saga about anything like that. Um, And I do think that it's important to consider that when you're going to a mentor, you know, be ready to do 99% of the work yourself and then just have that mentor be the person who's reassuring you and bolstering you, but then also can kind of give you the extra education um, you need to like really take your business to the next level. Exactly. And that's another thing you can't expect mentorship for free. Um, It's, it's kind of a conversation. You have to give something in return. Like um, nothing in this world is for free. So you want to be helping each other. Yeah. Colleagues in this industry. Yeah, exactly. You know, I worked for both of my mentors um, and helped their businesses. Brittany did the same thing for me. Um, And then now I do have mentorship available for equine massage therapists, but it it does cost money. You know, I can't give it away for free as much as I wish that I could. Um, So that's how you and I both became massage therapists and got started in our careers. But I do think a lot of people have questions about the laws um, regarding being an equine massage therapist, because unfortunately, it's really vague in the United States. So if you're listening to this, um, the only uh, laws that we can really comment on are in the United States. We really can't comment on laws in your country. Um, And even in the United States, we can't really um, tell you what isn't isn't legal in your state because every state is different. And um, fortunately or unfortunately, most of the time the laws are not enforced, but I can't tell you if that's true in your area or not. Yeah, usually when people ask me, I'll send them the link to the list of state laws and they can kind of look for themselves and make their own educated decision. But I'm not going to tell you what I think is fine and like what you should do. Like you can make that decision on your own with the information I can give you. Right. Yeah, because, um, you know, every state's a little bit different. So equine massage therapy is not um, nationally regulated in the United States. I'm pretty sure that the only state that actually has like an equine massage therapy license is Washington. Okay. Everyone else, the state board doesn't really have anything to do with it. Um, but so basically that means anyone can go out and call themselves an equine massage therapist. And what that also means is that um, any random school can offer an equine massage therapy certification um, and say like, okay, now that you've taken this course, you can go out and be certified. Well, please don't do that. Yes. You know, for example, that was the course that I originally took that was garbage it wasn't worth you know it it took you know over a thousand dollars of my money and did not it would not have been safe for me to go and massage horses after that um and I think that unfortunately there are a lot of courses that are even less in depth I definitely think that you can learn equine massage online but I don't think that you should be a professional um, equine massage therapist after taking just an online course for sure I mean when I was looking for certification programs I researched for a long time because I mean it is a lot of money and a lot of time that you you're investing into that so you want to be sure it's the right one for you um, so I, it took me a few months, honestly, to decide which one. That so shows the difference <laughs> between you and me that like I go and granted I was 19, but <laughs> I Googled it. I clicked on the first one and was like, okay, this sounds great. And I did it and yeah. you spent months researching. <laughs> I like, I wanted to make sure it was the right modalities and the right, right um, background. And they were 
focusing on anatomy and biomechanics and they had vets working with them, things like that. And I mean, at this point, I was working for a vet clinic. So I also was connecting with vets to see what they thought. Um, But I mean, I think I had three options at the end of those months that I was choosing in between and the rest were just not, they shouldn't have been certifying people. Let's just say that. Yeah, I've had a lot of people take my course, Equine Massage 101, and say that it's more in-depth and thorough than their certification course. Mm -hmm. And that is so crazy to me. Um, But it's definitely more thorough than the certification course I took. Yeah, I I even have clients. Clients got certified through a local program, and then they came to me and told me they don't feel comfortable working on their own horse after that. I'm like, that's just crazy to me. Yeah, no, I have a few clients who are equine massage therapists. Mm-hmm. Um, who, yeah, they even did an in-person course and they still don't feel comfortable. Yeah. Um, and that can be the difference too between maybe those people need a mentor or they needed a more in-depth mm-hmm. certification program. Yeah. Um, but so all of that is to say, um, you do just need to do the research in your own area, but also I think that it's worth talking to like vets and other equine body work professionals in your area to get a good understanding of what does and doesn't fly um, and what is and isn't legal because there's what's written in the laws and then there's also like what actually does and doesn't happen locally um, so it's just worth learning that and then it's of course worth learning it's of course worth investing in a really good certification program or even going to school and becoming a licensed human massage therapist and then going um, and taking more equine massage therapy I personally am very I don't necessarily say everyone has to do that. I do think that it lends to a lot more confidence and a more diverse income portfolio um, just because you can go and work on humans if your horse clients slow down in the winter. Um, there's always going to be a job for human massage therapists in a spa. Like you can always go and make 30 or $40 an hour or more in a spa if you want to if your equine massage business slows down. And it just makes you so confident with touch Um, in massage because you learn so many different things but if you don't want to kind of take the long way around going to human school and then going to horse school um, I do think that the equinology one is a good one Um, but before you do any of that um, I do think that it's worth taking a more beginner massage course to just see if it works well for you Um, and it's something that you're really interested in so um, I do recommend to people who are interested in equine massage therapy to check out my signature online course equine massage 101 because it's a really good in-depth look at equine massage therapy um, so that you get introduced to it at a much lower price point than investing in the certification program but then also all of those techniques um, are things that you can use if you did become a professional so there's really no losing out either you learn that you um, don't want to do it professionally but you can do it on your horse or you learn that you can do it professionally and you can still take all of those techniques into your business because I still have a ton of professional EMTs take the course to learn myofascial release and they say that it really helped them in their practice yeah I took it after I was certified and it's just a wonderful introduction to myofascial release because that's something that my course didn't really cover. It was more sports massage therapy and trigger point therapy, things like that. Um, And I love the myofascial release after being mentored by Maya and shadowing her and taking her online course. I honestly use that more than anything. So it's definitely, definitely worth it. 
Awesome. So um, what parting advice as we wrap up this episode do you have for anyone who wants to become an EMT, Britt? I think you really need to reflect on yourself. Um, just do some, be very honest with yourself. Do some hard thinking about everything that goes into the business, um, not just the fun parts of working on horses every day. And ask yourself if that's something you, you actually can see yourself doing and putting in the time and energy into. Um, and I mean, don't rush into it. Take your time. I love that. Yeah. And, you know, I just want to wrap this episode up. I think that we did spend uh, maybe a little bit more time on the negatives of being an EMT, but it only comes from a place of wanting people to have an understanding of what they're getting into. Um, You know, but I don't want anyone to mistake. I love my job so much. I think it's the best job in the world. It's incredibly rewarding. And we do need more good equine massage therapists in the world. They are needed. You do make a huge difference in horses and different riders lives and it's an incredibly rewarding business to be in Um, it's an amazing job and I think that a lot of people could be really really good at it and it could be like I mean to me I just it lights up my whole world that I get to be an equine massage therapist it's the reason I get out bed in the morning Um, it makes my whole life like I just am so grateful that it's my job and I think that um, many of the people listening to this would probably be really good at it and you would really love it Um, but I just think that it is worth reflecting on in taking the time to properly invest in yourself and your education. So to me, I would say to be really honest with people, if you are going to do this, give yourself two years before being profitable, you know, give yourself a year or two, like a year to do your education and then a year to either work for someone else and get mentorship or start slow and have another job at the same time with your business. You know, just don't anticipate that you're going to be able to do a weekend course and then go and have a bunch of clients, you know, small businesses and learning anything worth learning does take time. Um, So just be patient with yourself because we do need more good EMTs in the world. And I, I would love to see more really good EMTs in the world. Yeah, me too. Awesome. Well, thank you for joining me, Britt. Thanks for having me.